The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the Rebel Podcast. P Nate, Elder P, Air Jordan, Grosh Mahal, popping off. I don't <laughs> know what popping off is. It's become I, it's become a regular. Yeah, that's that's the that's kid, the new signature sign on. The kid the kids tell me that it's it's more hip than lit fire, which I don't know what that means either. We're what too, kids we're, are you taking advice from? We have a lot of young men in the church, and they talk, and then I, I try I wonder, to talk their lingo. Do you ever wonder though if they're just giving you phrases that are going to make you sound silly? No, I'm 100% sure that's happening. Okay, there you go. Okay, that's like in the office. What is it? Uh, oh, it's like lickety splickety or something like that. <laughs> that's when Daryl yeah, right. gets, gets Michael to do that. <laughs> there you go. All right, I got, the, this was not planned. If you had to be one office character, who would you choose to be? And you can't be Jim. Like that's the, so you got to pick somebody. I think Daryl is the yeah, right I answer. Yeah, that's probably the right answer. Because none of them are very, uh, none of them are people you really want to be. Certainly not Toby. Certainly Definitely not, not Toby. Toby. And like, man, Creed is like super creepy. <laughs> like, like, although you do kind of want to like have the life skills that Creed sometimes has. Creed's the character that grows the most, but like you, the first couple of seasons, you don't think of him at all. And then all of a sudden you just be, all of a sudden one episode, you just realize he's your favorite character. And is it the episode when uh, the branch is shutting down and he sells all the stuff <laughs> yes. and makes yeah. so much money? It's just it's, this side thing happening in the episode. Yeah. It's so good. So all right. Who are we? We're the Rebels. We're part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. And actually, what we're talking about today, so you're probably listening to us. It's not a Tuesday. We apologize for the late release. Chris was both sick and on vacation, so which always seems to happen. You should just know that whenever you book vacation, you will get sick. Vacations aren't even biblical anyway, so I'm just not going to do them anymore. So God is making six, you suffer. Work six <laughs> days, rest the seventh. That's all you need. Ever. Like, exactly. Every time I take a vacation, I get sick. And so therefore... punishing you. Yeah, so... For your sinfulness. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to find ways to like just take days off randomly. Um, that's what I'm going to do from now so on. So Chris is still coughing a little bit, but we have such a great sound guy that you'll never hear it, even though this is probably going to be a long uh, process of recording and uh, having to wait for a few coughing fits to pass us by. So what we're going to do is a sort of just short episode is we're uh, all three of us were actually just recently at the Church at War conference at Trinity Bible Chapel in Kitchener. I guess it's in technically Waterloo, 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 Ontario. But we had a great conference. We all got to see the premiere of the documentary Antichrist in His Ruin, uh, which was done by Jeremy Bundy, JKB Productions, which was a phenomenal documentary. So we just thought we'd debrief that a little bit, maybe hype up the, the documentary and just share some thoughts and reflections. And that'll be kind of a short episode that'll come out later this week so that uh, there's still something this week and you can get uh, pumped up for regular 
rebel content now that Chris is no longer on vacation. Yeah, exactly. And, and considering all of our listeners went to that conference, it seems. So yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> I feel like this will fit well. Yeah, fair enough. It was actually quite good talking to enough people that was like, oh, hey. And even being able to introduce them to Air Jordan, the newest rebel on the podcast. I have to say that he's become such a regular now that, that Dave went out and bought him his own microphone. And I don't know if you're feeling this a little bit, Chris, but like his microphone is probably twice the size of our microphone. So I feel a little bit emasculated sitting here watching Jordan with the biggest microphone at the table. Yeah, that's like there's two reasons that I'm emasculated beside Jordan. One is <laughs> like he's twice the size of me as a human in general. Like, And then um, he needed the exercise microphone. And then he microphone. also has the big microphone. I'm I feel like I should pick up a stone and try to kill him. Like... <laughs> If he wasn't such a godly man, I'd probably try, try to take his head. Um, like, I appreciate but, that. <laughs> not taking your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's that's that's, that's kind. Good. I wouldn't win, but I mean, like, um, you know, maybe if you got him from behind, like if you if you, you yeah, could suck a punch. Yeah, <laughs> take up the knee. You might have to jump up, but you know, that's <laughs> I'll get a stool first. And be like, uh, uh, all right, so we were all at this conference. So I'll ask. So first of all, at this conference, it was great. There was lots of speakers. So for those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with what's been going on up in Canada, I think most of you are, but James Coates and Tim Stevens are the two Canadian pastors who spent time in prison for having their churches open during COVID. They were both speakers. Jacob Rayom was one of the speakers as well, and Steve Richardson. And then uh, there was the featured documentary. Uh, Gabe Wrench from Cross Politic was there. He did a pastor's panel with a bunch of guys. I guess I would just ask you guys. So first of all, the documentary, let's pump that up a little bit. So we'll start with the documentary. Yeah. Let's go it was it. unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm a big documentary fan generally. I watch a fair amount of them on obviously like streaming services. I even watch a ton of Christian documentaries. And normally when something comes out that's Christian, I like I air quoted that and was like, okay, it's going to be okay. Right. And so I went in and because it's our culture and it's kind of our people, I like and kind of a like-minded, our kind of crew of people. I was like expecting them to be a little better than normal. I was about 15 minutes in before I realized I was watching something that not only do I think was like just well done beyond what I could possibly imagine there. I actually think is it needs to be like must watch TV for everybody in, in mm. Ontario. I was like literally my hands shaking, like thinking about it. It was so good. It wasn't just that it was well done, which it was. It was timely. It was well done in terms of like the overall message, the way it was all put together. I don't want to spoil, I don't know how much of the documentary we can spoil, but like the way they told the story leading into COVID, it wasn't just like, look at how great we are because we stayed open. They showed the decline, the, almost like the total depravity of our country yeah. over the last 40 to 50 years, culminating in the shutdowns of the churches in a way that I was like, I hadn't even pieced this together. And I think I'm pretty well versed on why we did what we did. I'm just thinking like with the linking Pierre Trudeau's. Yeah. It things. shows the Trudeau's is like a mafia family. Eh? Like, man, what a criminal family in terms um, of what they've done to this country. Absolutely. I yeah. literally was sitting there thinking like, I probably said on the podcast, I think Justin Trudeau is one of the worst humans that's ever existed. Yeah. And then I'm like, and you see where like, and his the, dad's that's bad. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I literally left the documentary, not only thinking it was the best movie I've seen, this year in the last couple of years, but like so blown away by it that I was like, not only do it doesn't need to be watched, everybody needs to yeah. needs to watch with even people who disagree with us. You need to reconcile with what this documentary says. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I don't. Did you either of you guys see the Calvinist movie that Les Lamphere did a few years ago? Yes. 
Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was really good. Yeah. Like just in terms of the quality of production and stuff. And I would say this was as good, like the, as good, like possibly even better just in terms of production level. Jeremy did a phenomenal job at telling the story. So I don't want to spoil the whole thing either, but I, I'll just kind of the big sort of summary is that it, it showed the history of Canada really being founded as a Christian nation or at, at the very least on very Christian principles and some very godly men who instituted some of the constitutional realities of Canada. And then the decline of where sort of the cracks in the armor came that eventually led to a place where, because I, I think what a lot of people, especially some of our, our faithful Christian friends in the States just couldn't understand is why is it that there was this small handful of churches who took this stand, and it was only these small handful of churches. The answer to that question is really shown in the documentary, that this wasn't an out-of-nowhere attack from the enemy, but this is all part of this large scheme. And I thought he did a really good job of just sort of like, look, there's an enemy to the church, there's an enemy to our souls, there's an accuser, and he is trying to cling to hit what small power he has in the, the aftermath of the cross. And he's trying to undermine and undo all of the kingdom advancement that a place like Canada was making. So anyway, I, th I thought it told a great story. I thought just the animation in certain areas where it was explaining things, the animation was good. I thought just the, the quality of shots and all that kind of stuff. And then honestly, like the interviews themselves, there's a good wide range of guys like Jonathan Wellam, who I didn't know. His economy piece was just brilliant. The way that he tied what happened with COVID and the ramifications it's going to have together was insane. And then like, like Joe Boot, we all know is incredible, but just his ability to talk into all of the various aspects of what was going on historically, theologically, culturally. Yeah. Anyway, it was great. It was great. It kind of felt like for those who are Marvel fans, like when you were watching Infinity War and Endgame where you're like, okay, we're watching something special. Mm -hmm. And like it's the fruit of that is people have been talking about those movies. Yep. It's like, as we were watching it, I was captivated. Yeah, buy it like totally. and it was it was actually just like partly because it was just so incredibly well done like even the transitions right at the beginning it's like this is actually good yeah and then he just kind of kept building and building and building it's like oh this was this was like incredibly well done but then i was really moved by it well one because my pastor was in it more than i thought you were going to be to be totally honest more than i thought um, it was be. yeah like it was it which was cool to see but then it was just like being in the room with those men who were in there and and just seeing and being reminded of the stand that you and they all took and like what the cost of that was, yeah. it was like emotional for me. And I think it was like for us, we're blessed to be able to have seen that in yeah. that context where I think everybody should watch it at home, buy it, do whatever you got to do or yep. however they release it. But I think for us, there was like a special thing there because we were in the room with the men at that time. And I think that was just awesome. And there are those yeah. moments like when it showed Tim Stevens and there's footage of him being taken from his family when he was arrested and stuff like that. Like, to be honest with you, I mean, there's, there are a few moments in that documentary where there was a sort of what I would describe as sort of a righteous anger towards those who attacked the stance that was taken by those men. And so when you look at some of the pastors and what they've said about guys like James Coates and Tim Stevens, who were on the other side of this whole argument, I want them to see that footage and sort of reckon with what that looked like. And, and honestly, I think Tim, who's featured in it a lot, I always respected Tim, but getting to know him over the course of that weekend and hear 
hearing his heart and hearing him preach and stuff, it, he just exponentially rose in my mind. But hearing his heart behind his stance, I mean, such a humble guy. This was not about a political stance for him. This was not about, you know, his his moment in the spotlight. Like he is a humble, godly man yeah. who is just trying to shepherd his people well. One of the things that surprised me the most was that that came across way more than I expected it to in the documentary. Maybe this is just my presupposition of the is was it was going to be a lot of like we were right, we told you so kind of like gotcha kind of like moments. And there really wasn't any of those. It was like, here's just the facts. Yeah. And here's what happened. And like what I was shocked and what like not just yourself, but like almost universally with all the speakers, the heart behind of the like we stayed open not to defy, but to love like our people yeah. and our God that came through way more than I expected it to in the, in the documentary. And so like anybody who's listening, who is a little bit not wanting to watch it because they're going to think it's going to be just all political, all whatever, watch it because it's not, it's even though there is a lot of that, it's, it's tied to the bigger picture, the bigger war that we're at, like our real enemy. And I, and literally I'm, I, I can't say enough good things about it. It was it was very 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 well done, very timely, very important. I think for yeah. our culture to watch. And I'm not even just saying because my boy was in it a whole bunch. Like I didn't expect you to be in it at all. To be honest with you, like yeah, I, um, I mean. Jeremy came and did the interview and and uh, somebody was like, oh, so are you in this? I'm like, I'm in it somewhere between the three seconds I saw in the trailer and the hour long interview that he had with me somewhere in between there. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was thankful to be a part of it and I was glad to contribute my small part. But what I would say is for those who are listening, who maybe you go to a church that made it, had a different stance or you have friends or you still have an ear to some of the pastors who had a different stance. I don't know how they're going to release this yet. Like this is in our documentary. We have nothing to do with this. And so I don't know if they're going to release it as a DVD or as a, a digital copy or whatever, but it will cost because universally, I think all of the pastors who are involved in any way had said was, we want Jeremy to get funded for another project. I mean, he's obviously a gifted filmmaker and we, we believe that art is one of those many things that needs to be taken and put underneath the feet of Jesus and victory. So we want to fund another project for Jeremy. So however they release it, it will not be free. And we would say yes and amen to that. But that just means that probably however they release it, there's going to be a whole lot of people from a, the opposite spectrum in terms of, of the stance they took who probably won't end up watching it. It's, it's one thing if it's a free documentary on YouTube or whatever, they'll watch it because it's there and they're interested in how they're portrayed or whatever. I would say that there will probably be a lot of people who don't watch it because it won't be free. And I would just say, I would consider buying this. Like if your pastor, you know, made a different stance or whatever, I don't think this documentary is going to be like a, a thumb in his eye. I, I really do think it conveys the heart behind the opposite side. And I would say a loving thing you could do for an elder or somebody who made it, had a different stance is, is purchase this for them and, and have them watch it. So at, at the very least, even if it doesn't change their mind, they do see the heart behind this opposing side because there have been a lot of stones thrown from either camp and both camps have been guilty of that. So I would just say, I think this shows a bigger picture that I think some pastors might have missed in the context of COVID if they're just looking at this pandemic as an isolated incident. I think this the, the documentary shows this was not an isolated incident. This was sort of the edge of the spear attack against the church that's been going on for decades. Hmm. Is that fair? Yeah. The other thing I would just say is like, I think that there were some pastors and again, this wasn't our documentary. We didn't make these decisions. But there was some footage shown of pastors who were on the other side of things, right? Sermons and, and things like that that were shown. 
I don't know how you guys felt during that time. There was a part of me that was just like, oh, I wonder if they should have done this and everything. But, you know, you're reminded of, of Paul naming names in some of his pastoral epistles and all that kind of stuff. What was interesting is that I think what it showed was that there are some well-intentioned pastors, and I don't, I don't think anybody who was featured there are like malicious, you know, evil individuals, but I would say there are some well-intentioned pastors who just didn't grasp the bigger picture. And that's not a slight on their character or whatever. I know what it's like as a pastor to sometimes develop blind spots and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just saying there are some people who are featured there, and I think this is an opportunity for you to see that you missed the bigger picture. And my hope and my prayer is that it leads to a repentance and a change of mind rather than a further embittering and hardening and a further divide between the two camps. I actually think the documentary could accomplish that if people watch it with an open mind. I think you're right. I'm, that would be my one concern just coming out of this, that people are going to get held up on that fact that like there are names that are named or people that are shown. Um, and people could like, when I say this, I don't mean this like the other side of this argument would latch on just to that part without wrestling with the big picture of the actual documentary. So like we can have a discussion if you're unhappy that ex pastor was shown in it or whatever. But like the truth is being a pastor is a public ministry. And so the things that you do publicly, you need to be held accountable to publicly. Yeah. And some of these people have things that they need to be repentant for. At this point, if you're, if you're unhappy with the way you're portrayed, I don't think the documentary document document i can't say the word documentary yeah you got it there's the cold coming into (laughs) it boys i don't think they've misled or lied about anybody's stance in in this thing i think they told the truth and quotes in context and all that exactly so at that point you have to reconcile and and deal with the truth that was put out there and if you were on the wrong side we've all been on the wrong side of things before yeah watch the documentary and wrestle with it. And if you still come down on the other side, that's fine. You know what I mean? like, yeah, definitely. So two things I would just say to people, the name itself of Antichrist and his ruin comes from a John Bunyan book where he puts forward the thesis that Antichrist is describing a spirit or a system, generally mostly political, right? Because these are spheres of authority that often challenge the authority of Christ, but it's, a, it's an authority that seeks to usurp the authority of Christ on earth. I just say that to say, make sure that we know, people know what definition we're using because I posted something on Facebook about the documentary or about the conference and somebody was like, wait, so are you telling me that COVID was a ploy of the Antichrist? I'm just like, I have to think about how I'm going to respond to this because what they think of when they think of Antichrist is an end times political figure that's about to usher in, you know, the apocalypse. That's not what this is talking about. So I would say, you know, make sure definitions are there. And then the other thing I would just say, and I don't think he would have an issue with me saying this at all because he says it in the documentary, is there are men in this documentary like Alex Klusterman, who's up near Ottawa, whose church did not stay open right away. Remember, he talked about their church opening as he came to the conclusions that he did partway through. And he talked about needing to stand in front of his church and repent of the fact that they had locked down. And so just recognize that repentance and humility were things that I know we often get accused of not having (laughs) or not being open to on this side of things. But like the conference was characterized. Steve Richardson did a great job sort of setting the tone of the entire conference the first night, talking about our need for repentance and prayer for revival and, and just the humility that we need to pursue God with. And I think guys like Alex Klusterman kind of being very vulnerable and saying, hey, I got this wrong at first. I had to repent to my congregation. And this is the fruit that's happened since then. I hope that pastors hear that and recognize that it's never too late to repent because God will always bless repentance when it comes from a genuine heart. So that's my hope. That's my prayer for the documentary, I guess. Yeah. 
how many times have we said one of the biggest problems throughout COVID, not just in the church, but just with politicians, I think, I think Doug Ford would be guilty of this, is rather than just stopping and saying, I've applied this wrong, I got it wrong, they doubled down. Yeah. Every time they double down, it's harder and harder to, to work your way back. Somebody like Alex, you know what? That's the right way to do it. Like we all fall, we all make mistakes. It takes the bigger man to stop and be like, I got it wrong and I'm going to do better tomorrow. Like, and just by way of that, I will say that probably I was emotional during the the documentary several times as well. I, I don't think any soft-hearted Christian can watch Tim Stevens get ripped from his children and not get emotional. So there's several times during the documentary that I got emotional, but I would say the most emotional point of the conference was there was actually a time after the documentary was shown where there's a panel of pastors and elders of churches that had gotten fined. Gabe Wrench was doing an interview. There was an older man who was an elder at Trinity who stood up and essentially publicly repented of his sort of generation's complacency because the documentary showed key moments in this decade-long battle where his generation failed to stop something coming through that really laid the groundwork for a lot of the wickedness in the culture that we're seeing now. And when, when he stood up and publicly repented of that, I mean, I don't know if there's a dry eye in the place. That was such a powerful moment of having a godly man who's been involved in this fight, but recognized there were moments that he had blind spots and he didn't see the schemes of the enemy that were being laid right in front of him when he was a young man and could have fought it. So I thought that was so powerful. And I thought that that was really showed the heart behind the conference is the recognition of where we've gotten things wrong, honoring those who got things right at times, praising God for it, but then kind of talking about how do we build to a future where the church is strong enough that we're actually taking ground back. And I thought the documentary did a good job of, of providing that hope as it turned the corner into the last little bit of the documentary. So yeah, yeah. the whole conference, even the name, the church at war, like it was without thinking it through, like, what do you think of me? Like, you think about we're about to go cultural war, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like full, um, and they even made the joke right away. Like, that's not what this is about to, this week. Like, uh, about like, we're not going to just arming everybody to take over the world. Like we're doing that, but just different yeah. ways, <laughs> even just the way they linked Steve Richardson and then Jacob talked about, and like all the way through that, uh, tied what was happening in the documentary to what we're actually talking about fleshing out in the sermons I thought was great. So we can keep talking about the actual conference part of it. Sure. Who was your favorite speaker? What was your favorite part of the conference? That's awkward because if I don't say... <laughs> honestly, they all did I thought, great. Yeah, I so, thought all the speakers did great. I thought, though, that Tim Stevens finished the conference off. That was incredible. That was one of the best sermons I've ever heard. I agree. Yeah, and it was amazing. It's very rare. So the, the, all these are online now, so you actually can go listen. But yep. I don't. I think they cut off before the end prayer. And so think about it. Like usually, when somebody public speaks, we don't generally applaud. But like when there is applause, it happens the moment he finishes. And what it was hilarious was like Tim Stevens was so impactful that he did his like final prayer, and then people started clapping. We're, we're waiting for you out of respect. I don't know if there's been a better sermon preached on that text, but the, I was sitting there like everything he said, I was amening to. And then he said things I was just like, this is just brilliant yeah. to the point where like I, I was sitting beside you, Jordan. And I remember at one point like looking over and being like, this is unbelievable. The way that they, they closed the conference, I was, it was four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon after four days or three days of tiredness. Like we even talked about it. It's like, maybe I'll just head home early. You know what I mean? And oh like, yeah, I, we were actually considering that just oh. like, oh man, long drive home. Oh man, the weather to, to have missed yeah. that to would have, have been that, yeah. devastating. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, um, he, yeah he, he definitely he knocked it out of the park. He did such a good job. 
Because we heard him talk at uh, the Mission of God conference. No, the was Liberty it? Coalition Lib- conference. Okay, the Liberty Coalition conference. He had spoken on Romans 13, and at the time his sermon was called uh, The Most Quoted and Least Understood Text. And he did a great job there too, don't get me wrong. But you can obviously tell that the man's been wrestling with that text and praying through it and what it means, and, and he's, he's been reading a lot of historic, reformed understandings of civil disobedience and, and resistance theology and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, that was just so well presented and such a mature understanding of that text that I would just say every pastor who used Romans 13 as a text to close their churches need to listen to that sermon because he just expounded that sermon in such a way that I was like, man, I I feel like I didn't even know this text beforehand. Like he just did such a good job. It was unreal. So go listen to Tim Stevens. Go listen to them all. They're all phenomenal. But yeah, he crushed it. Yeah. The other thing I would just say is Carpe Fide was there, and I just want to give them a little bit of a shout out. Go to Carpe Fide. I don't know if it's carpefide.com or whatever, but just Google Carpe Fide. It's a clothing apparel company here in, in Canada that uh, kind of supported it all. And uh, I would just say, go check them out. I just want to send people to good content. Can I critique them a little bit? Oh. So <laughs> sure. I, I wanted this to buy... This is unscripted. Yep. Nope. We didn't talk about this. Um, they're probably not listening or never going to hear this, but that's fine. <laughs> so I bought one of their shirts. Actually, I bought a whole bunch of their shirts but I, and a whole bunch of stickers. and love everything they're doing, except they didn't have my size in the one shirt that I went to buy. I'm a big dude. Um, not quite <laughs> big. Maybe not in stature of height, but... Um, I went to buy the Burn the Ships shirt because I was like, that's brilliant and I need to own that. It was, they were like, oh, that's the one we don't have your size. Be like, why of all the shirts do you not have my size in the one that I need? So if you guys are listening, double XL, Canada, free shipping, <laughs> all that twice. Just throwing that out there. When you're doing a conference, little things like little details like, oh, they brought in Carabre Fide. They had the Ezra Institute had tables. Cross Current had tables. Like little things like that are kind of what make the atmosphere. Yep. And like just having those shirts and they're all like you're wearing one right now. Like just add that level of like. We're not alone. There's like yeah. a company that's from, I think, New York, yep. like is, is up here doing the T-shirts like Gabe was obviously from from Moscow up here. And it's but like, even just like there was a, a farmer from the congregation who did the uh, brisket lunch. There was just I mean, there was just a lot of little things there. And I do definitely think that there are a lot of churches and every church has a different story in terms of the growth or, or non-growth that they've experienced through all of this. Some of them have been ostracized, some of them have been kicked out of denominations, all that kind of stuff. So to get into a room with 600 other people who have been thinking the same way as you have through this, it really did show solidarity. And there was a lot of, I think, really good relationships formed that hopefully will be of kingdom value for a long time to come. Yeah, yeah. It was absolutely great. Speaking of showing the other side of the coin, how impactful was it to hear from Steve Richardson? Because like, truth is, yeah. our church has experienced a lot of growth, a lot of the like, like-minded churches. That's the story. And then to hear from Steve Richardson, which is kind of the opposite story, his humbleness, his trusting the Lord, like yeah. the way he walked through that, it's just like, you know what? For me, it worked out different, and here's the way God's working in my yeah. life now. I was just like, this guy's. I will tell a you guys gem. a funny story. So we're on the pastors panel, and I'm sitting up there beside Tim Stevens, and Gabe asks Steve Richardson if that guy, right? Because Steve kind of shared the story of a colleague pastor who ratted him out for continuing to gather his church, which is what led to um, his essential excommunication from the denomination and being chased out of his church and really losing his church, losing his livelihood. And Gabe Wrench, who's actually a, a great interviewer, by the way, really, really good. He, and he asks Steve, if that guy was here right now, what would you say to him? 
And I'm like, man, that's a tough question. And like, put him on the spot. Like, you know, I'm sure that was emotional for Steve and everything, but like, good question, like good interviewer. But it was funny because Tim leans over to me, right? It was, Gabe goes like, what would you say to him? Tim leans over to me. He's like, hold my beer. <laughs> and so, and he and I just kind of chuckle. And then, and then Steve answers it by saying, I tell him that I love him and I forgive him. And then Tim and I kind of look at each other like, oh, gee, like Jeepers, like he's way more spiritual than we are. Like, it is amazing because I had this moment where clearly God has bestowed the grace on Steve to be able to get there. Whereas like, honestly, I heard that story and I got angry. Like I wanted vengeance for him. You know what I mean? Clearly God has bestowed the grace on Steve that he's needed to walk through this and be above reproach. And I think he has, and I think that's incredible. So yeah, yeah. I I think that was a highlight of that. Can we talk about Gabe quick before we wrap this one up? Yeah, go for it. Can we point out how wicked it was that he was rocking a, like a three-piece gray suit with an orange toque? Did anybody else notice this? Like, he's like, definitely got his how, own style. I was oh, going to yeah. say, like, how secure do you have to be in your manhood to be like, you know what? I'll wear a suit with an untucked plaid shirt underneath and an orange toque. Like, like, yeah. yeah. No, Gabe was a good guy. My wife loved it because when he's up there and he's like interviewing all these pastors and doing this thing at, at like a conference, and then he's just like texting his wife and sending his wife selfies. And she's just like, I love that feeling like his family who he's, you know, traveling away from and it was over the Thanksgiving right it was coming up on Thanksgiving yeah. for them in America and and stuff like that it's hard to travel without your family right and so the fact that he's like texting with her when he's up there doing stuff she loved that so yeah Gabe definitely has his own style yeah he definitely did and I was shocked at just how large he is like yeah he's a big dude yeah I, I had no idea yeah, well, he's him. basketball he was a basketball player right oh, was he? He, played, okay. he played basketball what is he like in, six four like uh, he's taller than me so he must be your size eh I'm six three ish yeah, yeah, so he's about, he's about your size. Yeah, like because yeah. I, I felt like Called a tiny you. little man beside him. I was just like, oh, it, it did look like a troll and a hobbit. I was, but dwarf. I should say. I should have said dwarf. Yeah, you're not quite a hobbit. <laughs> not quite. A, uh, I have hobbit shaped feet. <laughs> this is descended. Um, yes. All right, Church of War. It was great. Watch the videos. Watch the documentary. Yeah, buy it and buy it for a loved one. Amen. All right, great we'll Christmas gift. See you next week. Bye.